Well, I say praise the Lord this morning. <laughs> How about you? Are you glad to be in God's house? I probably already told you Merry Christmas, but we got to capitalize on the Christmas season. It's only once a year, you know. <laughs> I do enjoy celebrating Christ's birth and Namely, because what he's done in my heart and how he's changed my life and how I've seen him change other people's lives and the things that he's done and how he's worked and we just come together to glorify him. I trust you've had a good Christmas celebration and it's not over yet. <laughs> we want to try to sing those Christmas carols all as much as we can. I remember being at my home church and my dad said, you know, he said, it seems like we only sing those. He said, a couple Sundays out of the whole year. He said, no wonder we're rusty at singing them. <laughs> anyway, I trust you've had a good celebration, maybe with family and friends, but most of all in the presence of the Lord. I've been enjoying his presence this week and we've had a good time. We appreciate the Lord's protection in our travels and uh, through the celebration season. But it's good to see each one of you here this morning. There are some who we're not able to make it this morning. I got some text messages of some folks who weren't feeling too good. So let's remember them in prayer as we stand and welcome the Lord's presence in the service this morning. We ask, dear Heavenly Father, that you administer to our hearts through every part of the service. We long for your outpouring. We pray that you re renew us afresh. Acclimate our minds, Lord, here in your presence this morning as we endeavor to worship you and lift up our praise to you. You alone are worthy. We're thankful for all that you've done. And thank you, Lord, for the season to celebrate all that you've done. We ask, Jesus, that you would uh, help us to invest our all in this service. We're just together for a few moments, uh, standing before you. And uh, we ask, Lord Jesus, that we would, in our minds, understand that you are the audience. And you're looking on, and you're watching. And uh, you're pleased with a pure heart that worships you. And I pray that you would give us confidence this morning as we enter into your presence and endeavor to lift up your name and to magnify you and all that you've done. We pray that you would... Uh, be glorified through every part of the service, through the singing, through the testimonies, uh, everything that's done, Lord, the prayer time, the ministry of the word, if you see fit. We pray, Lord, that your name will be lifted up. We desire to magnify you. Blessed be your holy name. We're so thankful for a Savior this morning. Minister to our hearts, we pray, and we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to put our all in worshiping you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Trust you're ready to worship the Lord again as our sister comes to lead us in number. Sing as unto the Lord. Amen. Well, I want to try a new Christmas song this morning. The title is That Beautiful Name. We've been hearing about some of the names of Jesus, so this song is going to speak about Jesus. And um, the organist and pianist have a copy, and I gave Sister uh, Micah a copy, and I'll ask Jeremy to pass out copies to the others in the congregation. And while he's doing that, I'll let the organist and pianist play it through for us, and also the violin.
think you're a little bit familiar with it. <clears throat> the first two verses speak about his coming to earth, and the other two are personal of what the Lord has done for us. I know of a name, a beautiful name that angels brought down to earth. They whispered it low one night long ago to a maiden of lowly Beauty. 
thankful this morning for that wonderful name that has power to free us from sin and to keep us free from sin. <clears throat> well, the other one I chose isn't really a Christmas hymn, but it goes right along with this. Number 114, take the name of Jesus with you. 114, shall we stand together as we sing, please. Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe, it will joy and comfort give you, take it then where'er you go, precious name, oh how sweet, hope of Frustrated is me. 
complete precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy of and if you'll remain standing i'd like to sing the chorus jesus is the sweetest name i know it's number nine in the light blue book if you need it I think we know it pretty well. It's in the key of C. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. <clears throat> Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his lovely name. And that's the is the sweetest name I know and he's just the same as his lovely name and that's the reason why I love him so for Jesus is the sweetest may be seated. Thank you for your good singing. Worship to him. Well, he's certainly worthy. Amen. I think of that song, all that thrills my soul is Jesus. Amen. Thank the Lord. He's something to get thrilled about. It's interesting to me what little things people get so thrilled about <laughs> and it's interesting to me how extremely thrilled they can be one minute and extremely despondent the next but thank the Lord we have the answer we have something really to be thrilled about and it's Jesus praise the Lord maybe you have a testimony on your heart this morning amen praise the Lord Good. Praise his name. I'm thankful for what he means to me this morning. Good. Thankful for um, a God that answers prayer. Amen. Just when we need him. Amen. <laughs> and changes things. I felt that again this week. And Amen. Things, it just looks almost impossible. Mm -hmm. The Lord knows how to change things all around. And I just wanted to praise him this morning. Amen. For what he means to me. Good. And Their sin. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. Good. Praise His name. Anyone else? Praise for Jesus. I do thank the Lord that I 
Amen. Amen. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Amen. Thank the Lord. He gives strength. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm praising for the blood. I'm yes. praising for His mercy. This grace is power. We can't understand how much you paid for our sins. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm glad for holiness of heart. Amen. Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. He's worthy of praise this morning. Amen. Go ahead. Praise the Lord. Good. Anyone else? Amen. I praise the Lord for the other saints. I've been struggling a little bit here recently. And um, it's just nice to have the prayers of other saints behind you. Amen. Devil's really fighting me. And um, it just seems like he wants to tell you, what are you doing? Doing such a long drive. You know, children's ministry is not doable even maybe till next summer with this COVID stuff. I mean, you know, the devil's really trying to, what are you doing? You know, you're just wasting your time or whatever. <laughs> um, I do want to be used of the Lord. Amen. My giftings for him. But um, at the same time, I know the devil really attacks when he doesn't want to see something come about too. And I sure. just um, have it your prayers over, over the whole situation. Um, and sometimes it's easy to get discouraged when you're going through a lonely time in life. But um, I just thank, thank you for the encouragement of those other friends. Amen. Um, on Facebook, especially stepping in and saying, we're going to lift you before the throne and all this. And, um, Good. I, I just um, feel his presence. I wish Praise I the Lord. Fire for the Lord. But um, I guess everything has its season. And I, I um, just want to um, keep growing in him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I don't remember. I don't think it's on the bulletin board back there, but it reminds me of the little picture. I think I might have posted, tacked it up there. Maybe I'll put it up there again. And it shows three, I think, maybe like little people. And they're all holding, I think it's a board or a rod or something. And I said, they're going along and says, we need each other to pray for each other. And at first it shows the first one at the beginning, and he's, he's, his feet are hanging out over a, a hole in the road. <laughs> he's got this surprised look on his face, but he's being held by the prayers of the other two. And then the next picture is that the middle one is over the, the hole in the road, and his eyes are real big. <laughs> we all go through those seasons, but thank the Lord we have each other. Uh, I don't know if the day will ever come when we have to worship the Lord and serve the Lord without gathering together. Because they do that in some other countries right now. There's some people who think that right now is the time of tribulation. For all they know it, their life is being tried by the enemy, and it seems like the enemy is prevailing. But we are blessed. We are blessed to have each other. We really are. And uh, we need to be faithful to each other and lift each other in prayer. And uh, I remember a, a camp meeting where when one of the particular gentlemen would lead in prayer... He said, let's remember to pray for each other. He said, let's not wait till one of us is 
home sick or out into sin to pray for him. But he said, let's pray for each other, one another. And that is a good prayer request. Thank the Lord for each other and how he's put us together to encourage each other. These are times when we really do need encouragement. We really do. The devil's uh, working overtime. I think he knows his time is short. Am I predicting when the Lord's going to come back? No. The Bible says no man knows that day or that hour. And uh, it's interesting to me how many people think that they do know that day or that hour. But we, uh, regardless if the Lord would come back later this evening or if he would tarry another thousand years, the job description for us and for the child of God is still the same. To hold the rope, to keep the fire burning, to keep the lighthouse shining for those ships that are traveling through those rocky waves. And may we be found faithful in that great day. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm encouraged this morning. I hope you are too. Anyone else with a testimony? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good. Thank the Lord. The devil is defeated with testimonies of victory. That's how we overcome the devil. Through the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and loving not our lives unto the death. Praise the Lord. All glory to Him. Amen. Anyone else with a testimony on your heart? We got time for you to praise the Lord if you have a testimony on your heart. We're not in that much of a rush. That's what we've come together to do. Amen. To lift up His name and to glorify Him. He's worthy of our praise. Thank the Lord. Praise His holy name. Thank the Lord for a warm church to gather into. And uh, thank the Lord that the roads all cleared up. <laughs> they were looking pretty slick out here a couple days ago. I don't, I don't even know that they came through the neighborhood with any solder snow plows or anything this is kind of a little dead-end neighborhood you know it doesn't doesn't they don't they probably don't know who lives back here you know or who has a church back here and <laughs> i'm just teasing <laughs> but thank the lord for clearing the roads up so we could come together i tell you what i've had some times in my past with my motorcycle wreck and the time of recovery where i couldn't be in the house of the lord and uh there were some times where it took us a little while to figure out that we could do the cell phone call and then i remember my dad would take the phone and set it up on the pulpit and my grandpa was pastor at the time and listened to his preaching but that that just wasn't like being in God's house and there's nothing quite like it. you can't reproduce it can't reproduce it but it's good to be in God's presence amen anyone else with a praise on your heart I have some prayer requests and some announcements uh, well thank the Lord for redemption praise his name Amen. Anyone else with a testimony on your heart? Amen. 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 I don't know how much he knows about our lives, but I know that as he did with Joe back there, there's a certain, uh, as, he can only come so close. Amen. There's a hedge around about God's people, and I'm thankful for that hedge 
Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank the Lord. Praise His name. Good. Anybody else? All right. If Brother Michael come, we'll pass the offering. I guess we'll pass the offering plate. Should clarify. My grandpa told a story about a little boy who went to church for the first time. He said he got back home and his parents asked him what his favorite part of the service was and he said well I, I liked it when they passed out the money and said I got a dime <laughs> just to put in not to, not to take out we're, we're blessed to give a small portion of what God has entrusted us with we're just his stewards, just his managers and it's a blessing to give back to the Lord for the mic would you ask the blessing well Lord, we ask you to bless this offering be uplifting and building your own kingdom bless those who do and those who don't have to give this Praise the Lord. I've enjoyed this Christmas season, regardless of how fast it seemed like it creeped up on me. <laughs> uh, it seems like sometimes it's after Thanksgiving that I really begin to be thankful. <laughs> or after Christmas that I really begin to grasp a hold. Sometimes it takes our minds a little bit, doesn't it? It takes a little bit of time to grasp a hold of the truths and the mightiness and the wonderfulness. We're blessed to be able to celebrate officially. Uh, think of the, the nation. You go around and see people celebrating Christmas, and I know the enemy's working hard to try to twist that. And uh, I've met some who even say that it's, uh, it's drifted so far that it would even be wrong for a Christian to celebrate Christmas. And I said, well, there's probably some things in Christmas that might be wrong if you do them with the wrong heart. Uh, but I am thankful for this special time to celebrate Christ's birth. Amen. And uh, to be in a nation that celebrates his birth. To have a president that celebrates his birth. And reads part of the scriptures to talk about his birth. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Uh, one person said, are, are you all in favor of Trump? You know, do you, do you endorse every word that comes out of his mouth? <laughs> I don't know if I could honestly endorse every word that's ever come out of my own mouth. <laughs> but I do appreciate 
I do appreciate our president and how he's uh, given a focus uh, on the real meaning of Christmas. Thank the Lord. We, you don't have to look far. You can find the true meaning of Christmas. We, we owe it to our world to, to celebrate it the right way and to talk of the real reason behind it and Jesus Christ and his birth and to, to take advantage of this season to share the wonderful news. Savior has come. Praise his name. All hearts clear this morning. All right. Well, let's stand and take your Bibles and turn to St. John, the Gospel of St. John, chapter 1. St. John, chapter 1. <clears throat> We're going to be looking at verse number 14. St. John chapter 1, verse number 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us pray. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for sending your beloved Son. And we thank you for this special season to reflect, to acclimate our minds and our memories to the things that took place so many years ago. That they're not just an event that took place in history, but something that changed forever the human race and gave us hope and peace and is a reality in our own hearts as we read the scriptures and study together we pray Lord that you would guide our thoughts and our minds and we plead your precious blood against the devil for the distractions that he would try to draw us away with may you shut us in in your presence for these next few moments in Jesus name amen you may be seated like to reflect again on some of the names of Christ and this one here makes reference to Emmanuel. We're not quite going to look at that one yet this morning, but I like this passage. It says the word was made flesh. <laughs> Thank the Lord. I like the book of St. John and it starts out it's like a it's like a summary of the whole Bible if you will. I I like it. And there's a lot of gospels that tend to do that, give a good summary. And it starts off by saying, in the beginning was the Word. And it goes on to tell us who the Word is, and it's Jesus Christ. And here it says that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I love that verse. That might be one of my favorite verses. <laughs> I've got lots of favorites. You can't just have just one, you know. There's so much good scripture and how it encourages our hearts, but I like that. The Word was made flesh. Jesus Christ came to earth to dwell among men that we may behold His glory and the glory of the Father. We left off last week, if I remember correctly, with His name, the Desire of the Nations, from Haggai 2.7. I want us to look also at the door. He is called the door in John 10, chapter, or chapter 10, verse 7. 
And I'll give you these references maybe a little bit in advance, and you can turn there if you want, or you can write them down, or you can just listen. We might try to, try, might try to speed along here, but sometimes speeding along doesn't go very well. So we'll just go at the speed that the Lord leads and the Lord allows. But the door, the door, John chapter 10, verse number 7, he's called the door. What is a door? How is Jesus Christ the door? What's he the door of? Well, he's the door of salvation. He's the entry point into heaven. He says there's not going to be anybody that enters into heaven that doesn't come through Jesus Christ. He says uh, anyone else that tries to come in any other way is a thief and a robber. They're a crook. They're a hoax. They're a hypocrite. They're not going to make it. There is no other way to heaven besides Jesus Christ and Him only. Everyone that uh, has access to the Father, it is by Jesus Christ, the Scripture tells us. And He is that door. He is that entry point. There's a lot of people who are trying, to, and uh, spiritually, so to speak, they're trying to cut a hole. They're, they're trying to cut a hole in the wall. They're trying to make another way, another entry point. One person uh, had told my grandpa years ago, and I've heard people kind of make this excuse, and I wonder if it's just not something that's a little phraseology that floats around. We said, you know, you know, I, I don't have to enter in through the gate if I can just, you know, if Peter would just open up the window of heaven, I could just slip in a window or something. You know, I don't have to have a grand entry or anything. I just want to just want to make it in. Well, let me tell you, friend, and anyone who would listen to this recording later, if you're going to make it to heaven, it's going to be by Jesus Christ and him only because he is the door. Amen. One Catholic person said, uh, said, well, he said, uh, we have the key. The Catholic Church has the keys because of Peter and and uh, Peter, you know, all this, and, and my uh, grandpa said, well, you keep your keys. He said, I have the door. <laughs> we have Jesus Christ and him crucified. Praise the Lord. He is the door. He is the only entry point into heaven. He's the only entry point into the kingdom of Christ. Anyone who's born again is born in by believing on Jesus Christ. You can't believe on any other God. You can't believe on a, yourself. You can't believe you can't put your confidence in a preacher and make it in the kingdom. You can't be born again. But he is the entry point, if you will, into the kingdom of God, the door, the door. Those that are birthed into the kingdom of God come through the birth canal or the door, the entry point of Jesus Christ. He is also in Isaiah chapter 42, verse number 1. He is called the elect of God. Isaiah 42, 1, the elect of God, the chosen one. And you might remember in the New Testament where John baptizes Jesus and John says, I, I, you know, I'm not worthy to baptize you. But Jesus said, well, it's for the moment. Let the Lord be glorified and, and uh, baptize me. And so John endeavored to do so with a humble spirit to baptize uh, the body of Christ in fleshly form. Think about that. What, a, what an experience. And I like this account. We're not going to turn there this morning, but just to reflect in your minds the account when Jesus was baptized because you have, uh, you have the whole Trinity displayed there that very moment. You have the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity being baptized there in fleshly form. And you have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit descending in the form of a dove. It doesn't say it was a dove, but it says it descended in the, in the likeness or in the form of a dove and how, how a dove flies and how they descend. And, and there's, the, there's the visible Holy Spirit, if you will. And then you have the voice from the Father in heaven. It says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we're going to look at that. That's another one of his names is the delight of God. One that brings God glory. And uh, he says here that, or this passage says that he is the elect of God. Jesus Christ is the elect of God. He is the chosen one. There was no one else that was chosen 
to do God's uh, job in the way of coming into flesh other than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Jesus, and Him only was the one who was elected and who was, was chosen to carry out the sacrifice of the spotless Lamb and to be our sin sacrifice for a lost and a dying world. He was the only one. There wasn't, it didn't get delegated to someone else and someone else said, oh, I, I can't do that part or I, I can't do this. And then, Well, let's try this person. Maybe this person could do it. Uh, I've been running across people who are looking, looking for good workers. And they said, we just need somebody to show up. We just need somebody that will work. And we'll train them and we'll pay them good and we'll teach them all about it. We just need somebody that will do it. There's a lot of people that can't do this particular thing. And, and the reason they maybe don't try, but it wasn't that way. Jesus was the only elected one. And he fulfilled it. He completed the plan of salvation. Salvation's work is finished. He said it is finished on the cross. But he is the chosen of God, the elect of God. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, he's called the everlasting Father. The everlasting Father. In the New Testament, Jesus says that I'll be a father, I'll be a mother, I'll be a brother to those that need it. And here in this passage it says that He is the everlasting Father, not only a reference to Him being a very God and very man, not only being the deity of God, not just, a, not just a, a prophet as some religions teach, not just a good man as like many people will try to tell you, but God in fleshly form, the everlasting Father, the deity of God and that, that uh, holy DNA, if you will. It's hard to put into words the... Uh, Disposition, the nature of God, the being of God, not three separate gods, not three separate personalities, but three persons in one Godhead. It's hard for our little minds to get around it. I remember testifying in my home church years and years ago, maybe a teenager. I said, well, I stood up and testified. I said, you know, I don't understand all about the Trinity. Now, my mind can't really grab a hold of that. There's nothing really that I can... Uh, equate that to in this life to try to really understand that in the way that I would like to. I said, I'm just going to have to wait till I get to heaven. And I said, I don't understand that, but I choose to trust the Lord and believe His Word. And after the service, a dear saint says, said, now honey, said it's easy. Just read the scriptures and trust in Him. <laughs> I said, well, that didn't help me understand it. Maybe with the mind's perspective, His ways are much higher than ours. And, and um, trying to think of who it was, one of the biblical uh, Christian scientists Creationist. Help me think of his name. Not Ken Ham. Very similar. No. I'll think of it in a minute, I guess. Ken Hoven. Ken Hoven. <laughs> he was uh, debating an atheist, and the atheist said, "Well, you know, what about where does God where does God exist, and who created God?" And and he said, Ken Hoven kind of went through the scriptures and. Uh, answered a lot of his questions and he said you know as far as who invented God he said you don't really understand who God is if you have a question like that <laughs> he said he's so much higher than that and he said by the way he said if if God was the kind of God that you could understand everything about him he said he wouldn't be worth trusting in <laughs> because he wouldn't be any higher than us but he is his ways are so much higher than our ways and says he is the everlasting father he is the the father figure that will never leave and never forsake there's a lot of people who have a good godly father, and that father can't always be there. There's physical uh, barriers. There's, there's uh, limitations on life, and people's fathers won't always be there. I remember hearing my dad kind of pouring out his heart about missing my grandfather, and, and I do miss my grandfather. I'm, I miss him a lot. 
I wish he was still around. He'd be out on the street preaching with me. He, he tried to get us involved in ministry and tried to get us busy about doing things. And I, I, don't, I have a lot of regrets. And those are, those are some of the regrets that I just, I admired his ministry, but I didn't get involved myself. I missed a lot of good training opportunities. And he would have been a very, very good um, tutor, if you will. Very good instructor. A very, very uh, humble. Very, very great man of God. I have a lot of respect and I really appreciated the influence that God had on my life through my grandfather and his faithfulness. But I remember hearing my dad talk about that. And he said, you know, he said, as much as we appreciate uh, my grandpa that has been passed and and any time my grandpa would say, hey, you know, maybe the Lord has called you to preach or maybe you should, uh, you know, take a service and, and pray about what the Lord would have you to preach on or maybe teach a Sunday school class or maybe do a ministry. And we'd always, we said, Grandpa, you're so good at it that who could take your place? And, and he said, well, you know, I'm not always going to be here. Someday I'm going to be gone. And we said, oh, you know, well, we'll deal with that when it comes. And it came a lot sooner than what we expected. It was very sudden. We were unprepared for that. But thank God that Jesus Christ is not one who's going to be that father figure that's just going to up and disappear, that something's going to happen and then there's going to be this separation, this unexpectedness. Maybe you wouldn't get to have your last words with your father and some have had those experiences and that's hard. I ran across the story of a gentleman that I know and, and I wasn't aware of that until just this evening or uh, just this past week uh, that he had lost his mother this past summer. And I wasn't able to be with her because of the restrictions of the virus. And pouring out his heart about uh, how hard that was. Not being able to be there. Not being able to hold her hand. And actually at the time they weren't even doing window visits. And he wasn't even actually able to, to see her. And has to try to cling to those, those last memories of maybe their last visit together. And the, the remorse and the regret and the disappointment. But Jesus is the everlasting Father. He's, he's never going to lead. He's the protector. He's the provider. He is the guide. He is the one that's there to watch over him. As even uh, carries some of the same description as a shepherd. And later he's talked about as being the good shepherd. But the everlasting Father. In Revelations chapter 1 verse 5. Revelations 1 5. He is called the faithful witness. Never failing truth. He is always faithful. There's another passage in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, and he is called the faithful and true witness. And I just didn't combine them together. I like, I like thinking of him as the faithful witness and also him as the faithful and true witness. Thank the Lord for his truth. Thank the Lord that if you need a witness to your heart, you need that assurance, you go to him and he's there to give it. He won't make up something to make you feel good. He won't give you something to cling to that's going to vanish later and leave you hanging. You ever had a friend that they just, they, they're more, uh, they're, they have a greater desire to see a smile on your face than to really uh, give you good instruction or give you an honest opinion? I remember one person saying, uh, what do you think of this? And then I told them, and they said, well, give me your honest opinion. I said, that's the only opinion I got. <laughs> but there's a lot of people that don't have an honest opinion. They don't have an honest witness. And they'll tell you one thing one minute and another thing another minute. And it depends on their perspective and how they want to make you feel. And there's a lot of people that will try to manipulate you with feelings and with words and butter you up. And <laughs> I've had sometimes people say, oh, you know, you're such a great man, Elijah. You're the good in this area and you're skilled in that. And I, I say, okay, okay, okay. What, what, do you, what, what do you want? What do you really want? <laughs> what is it that you're about to request? Let's just cut to the chase. Let's, let's move forward here. Get to the point, the punchline. Uh, but anyway... He is the faithful 
witness. He is the faithful and true witness. He is the testifier. He testifies of himself. He gives the assurance of himself. He testifies and gives the assurance in our hearts that the truth of the gospel is true. That resonator that's down inside and the Holy Spirit is the voice of God speaking to our hearts, relaying that witness, relaying that testimony. But the Lord will never lie to you under any circumstances. He is always honest with a heart that's honest with him. I've had people come to me and say, I can't get saved. I've cried and I've prayed and I've tried to get saved. And why is it that I can't get saved? And I said, have you really been honest with the Lord? Well, yeah, of course I have. I said, now think about it. Have you really been honest with him? Have you really humbled yourself and really been honest with the Lord? Mm. Anytime you're honest with God, it's a principle of his word. that He will be honest with you and he will guide and he will direct. And that's the promise of his word. He will lead you. If you study his word to understand and to have guidance, he will lead you. Revelations chapter 1 verse 17 says he is the first and the last. We kind of talked a little bit about this last week about the alpha and the omega. The, the beginning letter of the Greek alphabet and the last letter. He, he's there to start things and he's there to finish it. There's a lot of people who can start a fight, but those same people can't end a fight. You, you don't have to be much of, a, much of a fighter. You don't have to be very strong to pick a fight and get something started. Uh, but you got to be on top of things if you're going to finish it. Well, I remember my grandpa talking about a guy. He said, he said they were kind of horsing around playing. He said, now be careful. Somebody's going to get hurt. And he said, he, he was there. He said, now, now be careful. Someone was, well, somebody's going to get hurt. And uh, he's trying to get the other guy to stop, you know, kind of wrestling around or whatever. And then pretty soon one of them, one of them caught, caught a punch or caught a, caught a whack or something that they didn't intend to. He said, I told you somebody's going to get hurt. It was him. <laughs> yeah, I told you somebody's going to get hurt. But Jesus is the first and the last. And that's significant in the book of Revelations. He's going to be the one that's going to wrap everything up. He's going to be the one that's going to have the final say on Judgment Day. There's people, and you've probably met them, and I know I have met quite a few of them. They think they're going to have a lot to tell the Lord on Judgment Day. But the Lord is going to get the last word. He's going to have the last say. He's going to be there. He's going to finalize everything. He's going to wrap everything up. He's, going, he's the author and the finisher of not only our faith, but the beginning and the ending, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. In Revelations 1, 5, that same chapter says he is the first begotten of the dead. The first begotten of the dead. And we can look at this and at first studying this. Now that kind of stumped me a little bit. The first begotten of the dead, that doesn't make sense. First begotten and dead really don't go in the same sentence. But really what it's meaning here is it's trying to signify or help us to understand the life that he has given to us through his death on the cross. And it was through that death that we could have spiritual life. There was no other way we could have spiritual life except Jesus Christ would take our sin sacrifice to the cross. He is the life giver. He is the resurrector. No one had to resurrect him. There's been people in the scriptures that you can read the stories about. They've been resurrected. And I, there's a, not a miracle that really seems to compare in my mind uh, to that of a resurrection. Somebody who is dead. Somebody who is lifeless. <laughs> there is no hope. There's nothing coming out of their, uh, their mind or their voice. They have no thoughts. They're, they're, there's a, here's a lifeless corpse. And in the next minute, life. <laughs> wow, how do you explain that? Well, that's the power of God. That's the power of God. But all the stories in the Bible of other people being resurrected from the dead, whether it's Lazarus, whether it's back in the Old Testament prophet and, and the, the young man who was resurrected and other stories, 
Jesus Christ resurrected himself. It wasn't anybody else. He said that he would lay his life down and he would take it up again. He is not only the one that experienced the resurrection, but it was by his power, by his strength, that he resurrected himself. And so he is the first begotten of the dead. He is the first one, the way maker, or as uh, is mentioned here next in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 20, the forerunner, the forerunner, the one who goes ahead, the one who blazes the trail, the one who maps out everything. I guess they tell me that now they can do surveying with these drones. And they don't even have to go in. It used to be if they were going to survey a piece of property, they'd have to go in and hack down the thicket. And they would have strings and they would have tape measures. And they, if it was woods, they'd have to clear a pathway from one uh, property pen to another and measure these off and then cross-measure. Now they just send this little drone up in the air and it flies over and maps out the right area and puts the drop pen on the map. And then they go over to that certain location and put a pen in. They'll mark it, register it, make sure if it's a new piece of property. Of course, that's how they measure off and survey new pieces of property. But he, Jesus is the forerunner. He's the one that's gone ahead and shown us the way and so clearly mapped it out and, and left the roadmap with us. We have his word. Thank the Lord for his word. Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 5. He is the glory of the Lord. He is the glory of the Lord. He is the one that displays the greatness of God in fleshly form. As much as you ever behold God in fleshly form, it is by understanding and studying and reflecting on the life of Jesus Christ. And that is why Jesus has set the example, and God has called us, and as Jesus left and he was ascended up to the right hand of the Father, he said it is your job to display that character of Christ. It is your job to be that visible Visible display of God's greatness, of His holiness, of His purity, of His character, of His love, of His charity, as we studied not too many Sunday evenings ago. Charity is the character of God, that divine love. It can't be mimicked anywhere else in life. You won't find it anywhere else. You won't pick it up anywhere else. You won't understand it looking at any other uh, way of life or any other way of thinking or as one person said I, I, I don't really follow the scriptures I'm just a logical person I said okay well where's the foundation for your logic <laughs> you have reasoning but where's your where's your rules of reasoning what's the facts where are the boundaries at the way of thinking must be rooted on the word of God and he explains all of that the glory of the Lord, the one who displays the greatness of God. He's also called God in Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 3. God, God himself. There's many people, and you'll meet probably Muslims, and if you've talked much with Muslims, you'll understand pretty quickly that they believe Jesus was a great prophet. They believe he was a great man. They believe that he was sinless. They believe that he was very special, but they don't acknowledge that he was God. Many Jews, even today, don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was God in fleshly form. I told one of my friends, Muslim friend, his name is Mehdi. I got to talk to him, and the Lord has opened up doors to witness to him very in-depthly a few different times. I said, Mehdi, I said, what do you think about Jesus? I said, he was a good man. He said, he was a good man. I said, well, he was more than just a good man. I said, Mehdi, I said, do you believe that he was God? Do you believe that he was the son of God? Oh, no, no, that's like blaspheme to say that God has any children. That's, that's, that's like immoral thoughts. I said, no, it's not. I said, think about this. Anyway, we got ready to part of the conversation. Uh, we, I witnessed to him and shared some encouraging thoughts and challenged him and some of his thoughts. And 
as we were about to leave, I said, I said, Betty, I said, think about this. I said, uh, was Jesus holy? Oh, yes, he was the only one that didn't sin. I said, was he, was he who he says he was? Did he lie? Did he ever lie? And he said, oh, no, no, he's perfect. I said, you know, Jesus said he was God. It was prophesied that he was God. I said, Betty, do you know why Jesus was crucified? Do you think Jesus should have died? Do you think he should have been crucified? Oh, no, no, he's perfect. He was a holy prophet. I said, Mehdi, I said, if Jesus was alive today, you would crucify him. Oh, no, no, Elijah, no, no, I wouldn't crucify Jesus. I said, yes. Because it says in the scriptures that he was crucified because he said he was the king of the Jews, because he said he was God, because he would forgive sins. And that's why Jesus, that's one reason why Jesus did it so openly. That's one reason why he said he wanted to show them that he did have the power to forgive sins. And that was why he was crucified, because he said he was God. And that's what the scriptures document. So, Mehdi, think about that. He was crucified by those who believed that he was not God. God blessed, in Romans chapter 9, verse 5, he is called the God blessed. He is placed above all. He is the one that God has bestowed all of his blessings upon. And it is Jesus Christ who pours out all of those blessings and all, those, all of that benevolence upon us. But Jesus is the one that God has blessed, God has placed above all, God has given all his blessings and poured out all those upon him while he was on earth. And Jesus had the power and the strength to do all those things even though he was in fleshly form because he was God and because he was the God blessed. In John chapter 10, verse number 11, he is called the Good Shepherd. The good shepherd, not just a shepherd, but the good shepherd. There's a lot of people that would hold a position or hold a title. But what about being good? What about being perfect? What about being holy about it? What about doing the best at it? And he is referenced as being the good shepherd. He watches out for his sheep. He's the shepherd that just doesn't go to try to keep the majority protected. But he's the shepherd that if one wanders away and finds himself in a place where God never intended them to be, God is the good shepherd that will go. And he says even that he would leave the flock, the ninety and nine, those that are faithful, those that are true. He would, he would slip out beyond the presence of them, beyond that gathering. He would go out and try to find that lost lamb and try to recover them, try to bring them back. That's a good shepherd. That's a holy shepherd. That's a compassionate shepherd. He protects his flock. He cares about each one. He just doesn't look at them as a flock. I think sometimes, and I, I've been feeling like the Lord is encouraging me to, to pray differently about our nation. I, I've prayed in the past, said, Lord, you know, help our nation. We need revival in our nation. The Lord's been helping me to understand that our nation is compiled of millions of souls. And we need to see the harvest like that. There's two ways to see the harvest very blurrily and see the great harvest field or see each kernel that's ready to be harvested. And I pray God would give us that individual focus as though he has sees each soul in the flock. He just doesn't look at the flock as a whole. He calls the body of Christ the church, and that is the body as a whole. But he cares about that body. He cares about each individual one. He cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about the things that trouble us. Those are important to him. The things that we endure, the things that we go through, those are important to him. He is the good shepherd, the perfect shepherd. 
He is the governor in Matthew chapter 2, verse 6. The governor. The governor. Hard for us really to have a good understanding of what a governor is. <laughs> These days are unique times, and we have a governor that's overstepping his boundaries, and we have a governor that maybe might uh, be a bad reflection upon some of these scriptures and trying to understand what a governor is, but one to govern. Uh, when I think of a governor, not a person, but a, a device, I think of those machines that they put on an engine. And I think maybe at one point, Jeremy and I were talking about a governor that was on his goat, his, uh, goat cart. <laughs> and I remember having a governor on my goat cart and I remember pushing the gas down and said here it goes here we go and then it would kind of pull back a little bit I thought man there's this engine's got more power I need to tap into this and we had a vehicle we were bringing back we were buying surplus vehicles and traveling back from Pennsylvania and there was one of our drivers it was my brother and he was going extra slow we radioed back to him and said hey what's the hold up back there and he said the governor's holding me back I can't go full full blast the governor's holding me back and we pulled over and looked at it, and he said, okay, okay, and then pretty soon he was catching up. And I said, boy, what'd you do? And he said, well, I'm, I got the engine cover off, and I'm reaching over with a wrench. He's like, I'm pushing it past the governor. I said, well, don't wreck. That's dangerous. <laughs> but the governor, the one to be the dictator over, spiritually speaking, we don't like to think of that maybe in governmental system, the, the governor, so to speak, in, in the order that's been put forth by the Constitution. There is a U.S. Constitution. There is an Ohio Constitution. There's laws and orders, and the governor of the states are not the one who dictate all the laws. They do have power, but they don't have the supreme power like is uh, given or portrayed as Jesus being the governor. And it's displayed in different uh, titles that he has. The cornerstone, the chief shepherd, uh, the chief apostle of our souls, he is the dictator. He's the supreme leader in the body of Christ, in the church world. He is the leader, the governor, one who regulates. He is the boss, not the pastor, not the board, not an individual, not a denominational leader. But Jesus is the one who dictates what we do and why we do it. Wrapping up here, Hebrews 4, chapter 14, he is called the great high priest. The great high priest. We've talked already some about his advocacy before the Father, making intercession for us. And that he encourages us to have boldness before the Father and boldness in the throne room. What is it that would give us that boldness but the ambassage of the Holy Son, the Christ, who was the Lamb? And not only is he the priest that uh, makes the sacrifice, but he is also the Lamb. Think about that, of him being uh, the great high priest the high priest he's not only the one who as the Old Testament custom was and laid forth by the scriptures and given down uh, by Moses from God to take and make the sin sacrifices and bestow the, the sins upon the scapegoat and to take the life of that innocent lamb or that innocent dove under helping us to understand the real cost of sin and I said before I, I hope we never lose the understanding of the cost of sin if we do the devil's got us that's that's the biggest part of the battle of temptation is the devil is trying to get people to forget the cost of sin 
What it costs Jesus and what it will cost the person who partakes of the forbidden fruit. What it will cost the person who disobeys God, the person who rebels against God. But not only is Jesus the great high priest, the great go-between, the great ambassador between God and man. Not only the one who takes the sacrifice or takes the sins of the people and takes and goes before God and brings the sacrifice of God to the people, but he is also that lamb. He also, when it came time to that the innocent life must die, he laid down his own life. We just talked about that. He laid down his life and he took it up again. He is the great high priest that also makes the sacrifice of himself in behalf of himself the offering of himself. What a, what a high priest. What a high priest. There's a lot of people who will help you when you're down. There's not very many people who would gladly take your place. That's great intercession that we see in the Old Testament. When Moses said, if you're going to blot out the Israelites, blot out my name too. May God give us soul winners, intercessors with that kind of attitude. Can we make that exchange? No, it's not possible that we could lay down our eternal life for another person's eternal life. God gave that sacrifice. Jesus was the Holy Lamb that died and took our place, and we can have sins forgiven through Him. Can't be another person. But that disposition, that sacrifice, what a, what a priestly disposition. The head of the church... The supreme in authority in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. A lot of people want to be the boss. <laughs> Some people come to, come to a job and they get hired on and they say, I want to know who the boss is. I want to work my way up. I want to be the boss. And a lot of people get their way up to the boss. And I even uh, had a friend who took a boss course in college. They didn't really call it that. They, talk, they talk, talk, said it was management. <laughs> and uh, he applied for this job and I was talking to him one day, and the next week I talked to him. He had a different job, and I said, so what are you doing there at this new store? He said, well, I'm the manager. I said, wait. I said, I think you just got hired on there just since I talked to you. Yeah, I'm the manager. I said, but you have you run the cash register? No, I just have a managing degree, and I can come in and apply to be the boss. <laughs> That's not the way it works in the church world, in case you haven't figured that out yet. We have one boss, one supreme in authority, and that's Jesus Christ. He is the head of the cornerstone. He is the head of the church. The head of the church in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. Let's stand. We're going to close. Lord, we ask that you would renew our minds and our understanding. We thank you for your many blessings to us. We thank you for all that you are to us. And Lord, I pray that you would help our minds to be acclimated, not just as we read over these names, but Lord, help us to ponder all that you do and all that you are to us. And what it means, the access that it gives us, the promises that are there for the taking. Your strength, your help, your peace, your joy to all mankind. We love you and we praise you. We ask that you would be with each one of us. Be with those who weren't able to be here this morning. Press these truths upon our hearts and our minds till we appreciate all that you've done in a right way, in a way that brings glory to you. And for that we'll praise you both now and in eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're dismissed.